you know, I mentioned just a minute ago that, you know, things move all over the world and things move a lot further and a lot faster and a lot easier, but it doesn't seem like people really do. And I think that's really quite key here um, in terms of understanding what globalization actually means. Right, this process right. of globalization is it tends to be one that's focused on things, not people. And it tends to be one that's focused on people staying in the same place and things coming to them when it, it when what we what we see uh in in over the course of history is that it was more often the exact opposite where things were you know were were kind of place bound and people went to those things um or you know and so it was people traveling and i, I think that you know i don't think we can really uh overestimate how important that shift is that shift from and i mean this is also uh and i'm putting on my marx hat now because this this uh, this all rings to me so much about what marx explicitly talks about in terms of capitalism as fundamentally about the the circulation of commodities and capital right so capitalism is about creating a system that necessitates the constant movement of things and money um, but not necessarily of people and 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 uh, you know or at least only insofar as people move as labor in other words as a form of commodity as as a, as uh, uh, as labor power being sold to capital that's how that's more often how people move they don't move because they're going out and you know they're exploring the world or they're going to see new things or or meet new people um, or go visit people that they know you know kinship kinship networks friends whatever that have moved other places you know and they're going instead more often when people do move in the world, it's because they're moving to sell their labor. Uh, they're moving for a job, in other words, or they're moving for their job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going on business travel and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a, a, you know, I'll go on holiday while I'm going on this business trip or something like that. Right. But I think what that ultimately means to me, if I'm thinking about it in terms of political economy is again, it's about commodities and capital circulating and moving around the world, not necessarily about people as such, as pe people qua people moving around the world to do the things that people do. They're moving around the world to do the things that com that commodities do. And this touches off some the insights, which then go into the rest of the chapter, which is we one there's a general question why do we have a world why is the world that we live in one that got stuck and stuck in various ways right why did we get stuck um in a world that's deeply dominating and parochial in the social networks um and where individuals are not free to move around really you know that's so that and and this you know is something that though dive into even deeper but one point they raise one thing we want to talk about here and that we'll dive into in here is why or you know thinking about okay if we have seen our social universes and our cultural universes fragment and grow more insular and parochial what sort of consequences has that had for human beings and they theorize or begin to theorize that this is one of the reasons why domination has emerged and again, you know, part of the reason why we got stuck, right? They write that the mixed composition of so many foraging societies clearly indicates that individuals were routinely on the move for a plethora of reasons, including taking the first available exit route if one's personal freedom were threatened at home. 
cultural porosity is also necessary for the kind of seasonal demographic pulses that made it possible for societies to alternate periodically between different political arrangements, forming massive congregations at one time of the year, then dispersing into a multitude of smaller units for the remainder. And as we talked about, you know, this then bleeds into like, you know, sort of the final insight in this in, in this segment of the chapter, which is that, you know, uh, when we think about these princely burials, when we think about Stonehenge, when we think about the monuments, right? One reason why the monuments and the creation of these kings, the creation of the princes, the uh, to only to be destroyed again, didn't develop into the, the basis of concrete power, they theorize, is that, you know, because of seasonality, because of uh, flexibility, because of cultural porosity, right? If I try to dominate you in January, you know, um, I'm going to eat a shit sandwich in July when we're on equal terms or, you know, like it or vice versa. Right. If I try to dominate you in the in the summer. Right. Even if we are on equal terms then in the winter, when I'm fucked for one reason or the other, you know, I'm going to eat a shit sandwich. Right. Something's going to happen. And this is, you know, as they you know, this is a good impediment to the development and the proliferation of coercion over one another. You need to work together, you know, just to survive certain seasons, but also you work together because you're incentivized to not find yourself in a position where someone you fucked over in one specific political arrangement now has the ability to fuck you over in another political arrangement or, uh, you know, get their pound of flesh from you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really great insight to pull out of here. I mean, it also really speaks to, you know, the, the book so far. I mean, we know the politics of Graeber and I, uh, I suspect the politics of Wingrow, but you know, the book so far is not set up to be this like explicitly, you know, anti-capitalist tract, uh, you know, this treaties against capitalism. It's more of like, let's try to understand how societies have been organized. But it, but I think it's, it's, it's quite, easy or rather we we should um uh pull out that kind of analysis where that that idea of a of a society organized around solidarity around mutual cooperation uh you know, mutual aid uh, where, you know, I help you and you help me. Um, and we experiment as well. Sometimes we come together and we do great feats that require coordination and hierarchy, but we also recognize that that's always temporary. Uh, you might be the captain of the ship today, but in a couple of weeks after we've weathered this storm, um, no longer are you the captain, but I'm going to remember how you treated us when you were the captain. Um, and you know, maybe I don't, yeah, like you said, maybe you eat a shit sandwich because you were, you treated us really poorly. Uh, and and it's that idea of not only that flexibility, that seasonality, that experimentation, but also that at the end of the day, what's underlying uh, the survival of everybody is solidarity and and cooperation versus living in a society, uh, uh, you know, a capitalist society that um, has ossified domination as the mode of survival. Right? I can only survive by dominating other people or by taking advantage of other people or by subjugating myself to other people, whether that means, you know, selling my labor for a wage to somebody else. And so I can only survive through subjugating myself to a, to capital. 
I can only survive by uh, other people subjugating their wage or their labor to me in the course of, you know, I buy, I buy goods and services off of them, um, you know, things like that, right? It ossifies this idea of survival through hierarchy, survival through domination. Um, and that, that, you know, that gives us radically different kinds of societies depending on what type of relationship is required based on the system for survival. It's the reason why the, 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 the ideology of like capitalism has been perpetuated for as long as it has is a handful of people got a taste of what it was like to be in charge and slowly incorporated letting more and more people into the group, but knowing that, you know, there's only a, a finite number of members are allowed in that ruling class, so to speak, because you need X number of hours worked by laborers to achieve your goals. Um, and you're not giving people the time to think about those things of like, well, you know, there was a time when we weren't treated like this. You know, history is eradicated so quickly to prevent any knowledge of how things used to be, to prevent people from wanting to look back and go, you know what, shit hasn't always been like this. And that's part of what I feel like has been some of the most successful uh, psyops in human history is just convincing people that this shit works when it doesn't. It doesn't.